what is going on how are you was that a little abrasive i think that was a little borderline too abrasive i'm not going to redo it because it's fine you know this is real life over here um anyway it's so great to have you here Really, truly, it is. I do enjoy having you here. Um, but my name is Drew, and this is the Between Me and Drew podcast. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about all things specialty cut flowers, specialty horticulture, event industry, wedding industry, blah, 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 all the things that are encapsulated, essentially, on our farm. All the things that, you know, I might have to think about at some point in my day, um, that's up for discussion. And today, our topic um, is basically about what you can do to know your clientele base, how to learn about your clientele base, and the things that you should know about who's going to be buying your goods, because that's a really, really big part about what we do on a daily basis um, is sell stuff. So unless we know who we're selling to, um, that can be a very challenging thing to navigate. So um, I should preface this by saying that our farm is very, in our book of business, is very diverse. So we sell to a lot of different channels. We sell to a lot of different people, a lot of different types of people, different demographics, different factors of society. So we, um, we've got a good grasp I should probably say, as far as what to look for, who to identify, who to focus in on, um, and how to make the most profitable sale, yes, but also how to um, build a great relationship with a customer, because that's really what makes our businesses sustainable. So without any further mouth blabbing, Let's get into this, shall we? And I should say this because that last line sounded a little drab, but I am very intrigued by this topic because I love to look at people for actually what they are when it comes to putting them into a box. This sounds horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> That's horrible. Let's try that again. I love looking at people as um, puzzle pieces and how we as as business people need those puzzle pieces in order to achieve um, a beautiful picture at the end. That's better. That's so much better. Why didn't I just say that from the beginning? I Yes, I really much enjoy looking at people and figuring out how to make them work in our business. Um, so I've got this topic broken out into multiple different facets, just like usual. Um, and I, I'm not going to like do a big overview because we're just going to kind of run all this together because this is a very fluid topic and there are lots and lots of different parts to knowing who your clientele is, isolating your clientele, finding your clientele, things like that. Um, but the, I think the most important thing that sticks out in my mind right from the get-go that you really need to wrap your mind around is who are you you as a seller as a business owner as the farmer as the florist as the whatever who are you and know why this matters okay you might think this is a little weird you know 
Why does it matter who I am? Why does it matter what I believe in? Why does it matter, etc.? But you have to understand that you physically as the person behind your business, you are going to attract people and ultimately customers who might look like you, who are probably going to think like you, who believe in you, who believe in your product, who believe in your purpose, who believe in your process. And those are the people that want to support you. However, when you hear me say that, you might think that if you are a 56-year-old white woman who lives in suburban Chicago area, Chicagoland, and wants to grow flowers, you might think that all of your customers have to fit in that box of exactly who you are and what you are. That's not true. Okay, If that were true, I would be selling to a lot more gays than I already am, but I'm not. So you can't think of that process of attracting people just like you as a physical thing because it's not a physical thing. It's something way more personal. So think location. People love to support local for good reason, very, very good reason. Um, local business owners. Local business owners are going to be the ones supporting you know, their employees, their processes with their tax dollars, etc., they might be able to relate to you on a belief status. And this is not always religious. Yes, you might be able to, you know, build your clientele base based off of your, your religious uh, standings, but that's not limiting. Okay, belief status is so much more than that. It's how you grow. It's why you grow. It's your story. Things like that people can relate to. Those are attracting people to your circle, to your business etc. Okay. There are so many different things that make us as humans unique and sharing our story and understanding who we are and putting that into the world is only going to bring people who might believe in that or can relate to that or who have been down that journey before. It's drawing those people to you. Okay. And as a business owner, that can be a very, very important thing for you because those are people who want to support you and buy your products and buy your flowers and buy your, you know, value added thing that you have created with something that you grew with your hands on the soil that you own, that you've raised your family on that, whatever. Okay. So it's understanding who you are, what you stand for. That is important. And that is huge for your clientele. There are a few other things that we have to keep in mind too. Um, where do you live? And I think that that is one thing that can be extremely, extremely um, limiting in thought process for a lot of people. Um, and I say limiting in thought process because I thought that my location was very, very limiting um, for a very long time until I realized that that's not the case. Um, and we are very rural here. Not as rural as some people, but to put it into perspective, um, my town has 1,800 people. I knew literally every single person in my grade. I knew their parents. I knew all of their siblings, and I knew their grandparents. Okay, And if anybody went anywhere, we knew about it. Okay, um, So we're pretty rural. 
I understand that there are people who are from smaller, more spread out towns, um, but we're three hours to downtown Chicago, so it's not like we're next door. Um, so if you are in a rural environment, finding a clientele base can be a little more challenging. There's no lie there, but selling in the city isn't okay cakewalk either so um, when you are growing and living and existing in a more rural area there are some things that you need to know Um, what do you want to do with your business do you want to sell retail do you if you're selling retail that means that you are um, selling a finished product to the end consumer so you're not selling to a grocery store you're not selling to a florist you're not selling to a wholesaler you're selling straight to Janet buying your bouquet and she's going to put it on her kitchen table, okay? If that, if you have those people in your community who are, you know, willing and ready to buy those bouquets every week, to sign up for that subscription service, to do the things to support you, hell yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you that if you're in a very rural town, that can be an uphill battle. But you will always have people in your communities who will support you regardless because they believe in you you both have vested interests in your community you both have a vested interest in the economic success and the economic values that your business brings and the asset that it is to your community so there is always going to be a a part of your sales demographic that will be local if you give them that opportunity And I've seen farms who have totally eliminated that opportunity. They've survived, and there are times that they have thrived, but there is no community tie to their business. And that's a little sad. But we're rolling off the rails here. Um, If you don't want to go full retail, um, there are lots of things that you can do still to figure out your demographic and the people that you're going to sell to. Um, but we're looking still at a little bit of a larger picture um, and talking to you from a business perspective. Can you do grocery? Most grocery flowers either have a floral department or have a floral offering of some capacity. So if you don't want to talk to Janet and Barbara and Patricia and Florence and everybody else who's buying bouquets from you on a weekly basis... Maybe you just want to talk to Dan, Dale, and Deborah, the three produce and floral managers in the three surrounding communities um, at the grocery stores. So if that's something that you can see yourself doing, that's a great option. Utilizing a grocery store or a boutique or some pre-existing entity to move volumes can be a huge, huge benefit. Um, grocery stores did play a role in how we got to where we were, uh, where we are now currently, um, as a business, we sold a lot of mixed bouquets through the local grocers. Um, and, um, overall it was a really good experience. The one thing that you need to really, you know, understand when you're selling grocery is what you need to make in dollars to make it work in common sense. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is it's very, very hard to sell a $4 bunch of flowers to the grocery store and still expect to make what you need to be making on that bouquet. All right. 
Um, so you really got to watch your lines there. If you are rural, can you or do you have the ability to deliver to a larger community? You know, can you deliver to, you know, a place who's got 20,000 people? Can you deliver to a, a city that's got 100,000 people? Can you deliver to somewhere that has a million people? Um, you know, the, the thought processes like that needs to start happening, you know, especially as your business continues to grow and your farm continues to grow or your design business continues to grow. What can you do to get your products in front of more and more people? And hiring a delivery driver might just be that, you know, that can be scary because with a delivery driver comes a delivery van, a vehicle, comes insurance, comes all of those things. But if you have the, the platform and you have the following, the sales will come with that. So, you know, tap into that option. Um, if that's not what you want to do, if you don't want to do grocery, you don't want to do full-blown retail, but you have a, you have a, a knack for design, you love designing, building a relationship with a, a wedding venue might be your ticket. And that's a totally different demographic right there. I'll tell you that straight out of the gate. You know, Barbara and Janet might be pretty easy to work with on their bouquet that's going on the dining room table every week but Callie and Brett who are getting married down the street at the fancy wedding venue might be maybe not might be different situation um so getting into and working with an up-and-coming wedding venue or an event planner or something um, if you're rural can be a great great option as well if you are a little more urban or suburban in proximity, um, then we're going to kind of have a few similar thought processes, but you're in a different place and ultimately a different time um, in thought processes that your customers, your potential customers are having. Um, so if you are open to being more retail-esque, make it personal deliver to their home, deliver to their place of work, you know, get into an office building subscription, you know, a, a receptionist is going to be so much more productive if she has beautiful flowers on her, you know, desk, um, the uh, secretary at the local law office, you know, he might be presenting as a very uh, masculine butch man, but damn, if he's got a vase of beautiful kale, flowering kale on his desk in the fall, his mood's going to be a 10 instead of a 2. You know, little things like that. Um, those are situations that a city or a more suburban or urban area is going to allow you to tap into. Also, groceries, Whole Foods, Trader, not Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's, don't talk to Trader Joe's, only get their buckets. Um, Whole Foods, family-owned chain grocers, all of those things are amazing, amazing opportunities, Okay. If you are close enough to service a grocery store chain with 11 locations in an hour's drive, holy buckets, Batman, you got to get your foot in the door there because that just might be your ticket. And if that's your ticket, you got to make sure you don't punch too many holes in that ticket because you need to ride that train as long as you can. If you love, you know, making mixed bouquets, totally go grocery. 
if that's your vibe. If that's not your vibe and you just like growing and making sales, florist could be a very, very profitable option for you as well. Um, I think sometimes selling to florist has a bad rap because for years and years and years, you could get a, a rose for 50 cents. You could get a carnation for a nickel. But those times have come and gone. And high quality flowers that are available to florists are expensive. There's no way around it. Flowers cost money regardless. And as the floral industry continues to elevate itself and and its expectations, um, florists are actively seeking out unique product and they are more than willing to pay for that. With that in mind, if you are already in a relatively close proximity to those people, they are a great tool or a great avenue for your business to invest in. And um, there's a whole episode on selling to florists that I know I've recorded. So go back, look into it. You're going to want to listen. But it's actually episode 13 um, for your reference. So you can just go back to that episode. You don't have to listen to all 26 of them. Um, But please do. I would love that. Um, But selling to florists, I mean... It's such a huge part of our business. Selling to florists and designers is such, such an important part of what we do here. And we honestly grow specifically for those people. You know, we're growing the beautiful ethereal cosmos. We're growing the beautiful dailies that are hard to ship. We're growing the peonies that are coming in varieties that you can't necessarily get on the open market. We're growing those things specifically for that clientele base because we know that those florists are what make us so successful honestly because we couldn't do without the florists um i love them love them also if you are this doesn't matter if you're rural or suburban you really have to embrace if you have the ability to delivering in some capacity because delivering is something that i i pushed off i fought as long as i could but There are only so many people who are going to take the time out of their day to come to your farm, to come to your studio, to come to your wherever you are to get their stuff. If you can get your stuff to them without them having to go out of their way to get your stuff, that's going to make them want more of your stuff. And that's the goal here. We want people to buy more of our stuff because we're making and we're growing a lot of stuff. So we need them to buy our stuff. I've said stuff enough times, but you get my point introducing the element of delivery or shipping or you know whatever it takes is huge absolutely huge i want to circle back to taking things a little bit more on a retail basis because when you are selling retail it's very easy to think oh well i'm just going to sell to whoever buys for me and while that thought process is great There are a few things when it comes to the demographics of the people that you are selling to, i.e. your customers, that you should probably be aware of, okay? So we're going to talk about this first, and then we're going to go back into florists because there are a few key points that I want to talk about florists. If we're going more retail, more personal, we'll call it, you, one, need to know what your ideal customer looks like. Who do you want to buy your flowers? Who do you want to be posting your flowers on Facebook? Who do you want to tell their friends to come buy your flowers? Okay. 
have that kind of in your mind. I know that where we are geographically and uh, demographically, we are very much predominantly white. There's no lie there at all. Um, would I like to see some more diversity in that? Yes, absolutely. Love diversity. I think we're stronger because of it. But we're not there yet in northwestern rural Illinois. Okay, So I know that my local customer is probably going to be white. Does that make a difference in the quality that I'm producing? No, absolutely not. But I have to be realistic with myself. What do they make every year? What is their average income? You might think, oh my God, well, how am I going to know that? Google's going to tell you. You just Google, what is the average income? What is the median income for Syracuse, Indiana? What is the median income for Grand Rapids, Michigan? Google's going to tell you. Okay. Why does that matter to you? Because if the median income is $30,000, there's a good chance that weekly flowers are not in their budget. And if that's the case, then you're going to need to kind of venture out from there. Are there people who are going to be able to, you know, make that flower purchase a priority at that price point? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are flowers are so important to your mental health, your well-being, your physical, you know, enjoyment that comes from your mental health. All of those things tie back to things and emotions that flowers can evoke, and that's huge. But if someone is has the average median household income of $200,000, even $100,000, flowers are going to be a lot more um, accessible at that bracket. So there's a really good chance that your potential and future customer is going to fall in that demographic. Which household figure is purchasing and making these purchases? And I'm, I'm coming to this perspective from a very, very, very stereotypical all-American household because that's where we are in my area, okay? I know that I, and I can comfortably tell you that at least 92% of the people that are purchasing the flowers that we produce and the products and the services that we provide are female or female-identifying. Very, very rarely is a man going out of their way to purchase flowers from us. So with that information, I know that targeting a male-dominated purchasing holiday, i.e. Valentine's Day, is very hard for our business because our demographic, our following that supports us is predominantly female. Are there amazing men that, you know, come and support us uh, during Valentine's Day when we do retail? Absolutely. But Valentine's Day is not nearly as important to us as a business in regards to sales as something like Easter or Mother's Day. It's dollars and cents. Easter and Mother's Day are is a lot more common where a... Uh, female uh, household figure is making those purchases and they are thinking about their mothers, their aunts, their grandmothers, their extended family, things like that. So they are going to be more apt to make those purchases. Yes, are there gay households? Absolutely. And 
God bless the gays because they're going to buy flowers and foliage. So we love them dearly. Um, but I have to be very real with myself as a person in business and I have to know who my demographic is. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, something else to think about. What else can you sell that household figure? Okay. Again, going back to identifying who is purchasing your product. If you are noticing that your clientele base is predominantly female, is there another value-added product that you can make and sell, i.e. soaps, lip balms, lotions, bath bombs, things like that? It's usually a pretty easy little, oh, what's another $6? Oh, what's another $10? Oh, a pack of bath bombs, $12? Sure, Catherine will love that. You get what I'm saying. Okay, little bits and pieces like that can really add up over time. Also, if you are going a little more even personal yet and you're making arrangements, what do the insides of their homes look like? And this can seem a little creepy, okay, but this is business, okay? So if you know who's buying your flowers, go to their Facebook page because there's a pretty good chance that they're getting somewhere on there. They're going to know, you're going to see, and you're going to know what their home looks like. What does the outside of their home look like? What does the inside of their home look like? If Facebook doesn't tell you, just go drive around someday, you know, because we all have so much time to take off. Go drive through town. See what homes look like, okay? there's it, That is not criminal at all, nor is it kind of creepy. You're just driving around, looking at people's homes. Um, seeing kind of where they're falling in regards to style will have an impact on what you should be producing as far as design aesthetic. You know, if you're driving around and you're seeing super duper incredible high fashion, super modern homes, then your floral should not look like it rolled out of a 1980s flower shop. Okay? However, if what you are seeing for homes is a little more traditional, maybe maybe it is very 80s cuz that's a great option, great option. Um, and if the people that are living in those homes fits that, I don't want to say demographic because you're not defined by the environment that you live in, but, um, if, if they, how do I say this? If the, if the people that live in that home, um, would purchase that 1980s flower shop, okay, then leaning into that from an aesthetic perspective might not be a bad idea. Using something that is a little more comfortable to them you know maybe working in the occasional chrysanthemum because they're used to that um, might have value you know for years and years and years I've heard growers poo-poo on you know Gerber daisies and Alstroemeria and chrysanthemums because oh well you can get them for a nickel at the wholesaler yeah well guess what the people that you're selling to also recognize those types of flowers because that's what they're buying that's what they're used to so if you're trying to make that sale, sometimes a level of comfortability is not a bad thing, okay? Yes, you can do beautiful things with in regards to like design and aesthetic with chrysanthemums and Gerber daisies and, you know, whatever, Alstroemeria, but you can't let those specific types of flowers dictate what you are crafting, okay? Those are just paints, and it's your job to make them into a picture, and the picture is totally up to you because it's your eye, not theirs. Um, so, you know, wrap your mind around who you are 
selling to in more ways than just one. And it's not always just a physical thing. So if you're selling to florists, there are a few things that you need to know. And I talk about this more in number 13, but if you're making a cold call to a florist who might be in a rural area, may or may not be, um, if you're cold calling them, definitely, definitely take the time to scout out their shop. You know, take 30 minutes on your grocery run to, hell, it doesn't have to be that long. Take 10 minutes. Walk through that flower shop. You know, are they selling pre-made bouquets that are coming in pre-made? Because that's a thing. Flower shops do that. I've been there. I've worked in them. I know it. We would get three cases of pre-made South American bouquets. They'd come in a bucket of water. We'd pull them out of the big trash bag that was lining the box, put them in a bucket, and in the cooler they went. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing something that is a little more high fashion in floral design? Are you seeing the 1980s bouquet? Are you seeing, you know, those typical things? And the reason it matters is learn. you need, you need to be learning about what they are comfortable working with. Because not every florist is comfortable working in ornamental grasses. Honestly, not every florist is even comfortable working with dahlias because they're not used to it. So what can you grow to cater to that clientele? Can you grow beautiful chrysanthemums? Hell yeah. And you can sell them too. Can you grow beautiful eucalyptus? Absolutely. They're used to working with that foliage. You know, what else can you grow? Can you grow hydrangea? Absolutely. Can you grow nine bark? Yes. Can you grow viburnum? Yes. Can you grow poppies? Yes. Can you do the things that they're used to? Yes. And that's what you should be doing when catering to those specific florists. Across the board, regardless of what you're growing, and really regardless of if you're selling it to a florist or if you're selling it to a, an end consumer, provide quality first. That's most important. We need to be growing and selling the best damn flowers that we possibly can. Once we get those principles and those practices in place in order to get that product to the caliber that it needs to be, scale up in regards to volume from there. Okay. Don't do what I did. Don't jump in your first full year in production thinking you're going to grow four acres of the most beautiful shit that anybody's ever seen because you're not. You're going to have some highs. Yes, you're going to have some lows. Absolutely. But... Focus on making your processes and your product the absolute best that you can, and then go up from there. Also, when you're selling to florists, you need to be competitive, but yet realistic in pricing. And I say realistic in regards for watching out for your own interests, but competitive in regards to not charging four times more than what they're used to from someone else. Because that can be a very, 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 very hard thing for them to stomach and make that purchase from you and not from someone else. Um, and all of those details are covered in episode 13. So go back and listen to that if you need more. My overall goal today was to not necessarily piss anybody off when we're talking about how to analyze and view people. My goal for today's episode was to kind of help you come up with a few ideas to kind of figure out, you know, what avenue of floral is best for me and my business and how can I figure out who that person is and what they look like? Because once you figure that out, then you're going to be able to do targeted ads on Facebook. 
You're going to be able to, you know, tap into the community groups of moms. You're going to be able to do X, Y, Z in order to get your business to the finish point. And ultimately, you need to invest the time now to figure this out so that you can walk the line tomorrow. Okay, that's the end goal, period. So with that, I hope you've been able to use and absorb, maybe not use yet, but absorb some of what we've talked about. You can use it tomorrow. You can use it next week. You can use it next year, whatever. But I'm sharing what we've done. I'm sharing what I know. And I'm, I'm just sharing as much as I can to help you on your journey. As always, love ya. Please follow us on social media, Claire Joyce Flowers, um, on Facebook and on Instagram. If you have questions um, or ideas for new topics, you can send me an email at drew at clairejoyceflowers.com. On our website, clairejoyceflowers.com, we've got merch and cut flower seeds still available, and we'll get those shipped out to you as soon as we can. And depending on your streaming platform, please feel free to like, comment, subscribe, and leave us some feedback on your favorite streaming platform. I always enjoy reading all of the reviews and seeing what you all have to say, and I appreciate it. I'd like to share that with the crew. So I appreciate you being here. I feel like I'm saying that over and over again, but I, I really do. I enjoy making these podcasts and these episodes, um, and I can't do that if you're not here. So thank you, thank you. Um, the episode next week, number 27, is on marketing. Um, and uh, it's kind of coming in at a very um, interesting time because we're, we're kind of gearing up on the Mother's Day season. Yes, it's still, you know, almost a month away, but... Mother's Day is a really, really big deal for us. So marketing, not just for Mother's Day, is important. Um, but marketing in general is very important. But it, it's a really great thing to follow today's topic of knowing your clientele base. Because your clientele base will determine how you market. So with that, I will see you next week. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Goodbye. Bye.